Hey, I want to welcome you to Coastal Community Church's online sermons. And uh, before you watch this sermon, first of all, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch. And uh, we do want you to know that uh, this is a tool to encourage you in your walk with Jesus Christ, to grow closer to Him and walk with Him. Uh, we, however, at Coastal, hold a deep belief that uh, this should not supplement your attendance at a local church. We believe deeply in a local church. And so while we uh, this sermon is a, is a supplement for you, we want to encourage you to be a part of a local church, find a local pastor. Uh, if you're in our community, uh, in the Hampton Roads area, we'd love for you to attend with us. We have three services on Sunday morning, 8.15, 9.45, and 11.15, and uh, we'd love for you to join us in one of those services. What we're doing this morning is we want to spend time singing the gospel with you. Yeah, yeah that's exciting. That's exciting. And we're, we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to do it in five segments, okay? And so our first segment, we're going to sing about God as our defender, God is our defender, and then we're going to move to celebrating the goodness of God as demonstrated in the gospel, and then we're going to confess our dependence in the third segment, our, our utter dependence on the God who saved us, and then in part four, we're going to sing about the centrality of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and then we're going to um, wrap it all up with what it, what is our response to it, and we're going to look at Isaiah chapter six, and, and we're going to... Um, we're going to go out singing as well. And so um, we're going to have a, uh, the prayer team is going to be up front um, available to pray with you, to talk with you about the gospel um, this morning if you'd like. And, uh, and we have communion set up. A part of our service this morning is going to include uh, communion in, in part three when we talk about our dependence on God. And so um, we're excited to be here and to sing the gospel with you. And, and uh, we've been going through the book of Joshua and um, in Joshua chapter 5, if you're in a small group, you guys probably spent a lot of time talking about circumcision when you talked about Joshua chapter 5. And when I read the Bible, I'm looking for the gospel in, in every part of Scripture. It tells one story, and I want to find that story no matter where I'm reading it. In scripture. And, and in Joshua chapter 5, it's kind of the calm before the Israelites follow through with obedience to take the promised land from chapter 6 on a little ways. And, uh, and God, through Joshua, instructs the Israelites to be circumcised before they enter the promised land, and which is, can be weird if we don't see the bigger picture of why that is. Circumcision is bloody and it's brutal. Much like the, the resurrection, or must, much like the crucifixion of Jesus Christ, and the, the, the life and death of Jesus Christ consecrates us for the day that we enter that eternal rest, that promised land um, that, that, that we're going to inherit those of us who've repented of our sin and placed our trust in Jesus Christ. And so this morning, we're going to sing about what God has done for us through Jesus. And uh, before we get to that moment, I'm going to show a video, but I want you to think about this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28 through 30 says, Therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with all for our God is a consuming fire. And we're aiming this morning, this Sabbath morning, to, to bring an offering to worship God in, in an acceptable way. And the only reason it's acceptable this side of eternity is because of Jesus Christ, his person and his work. And so this morning, if you're a believer, I pray that you're edified and you're encouraged to see your position under Christ and exalt the Savior. If you're not a believer this morning, 
Um, I hope, my prayer is that the Holy Spirit would convict you about the things we talk about, about the things that we sing about. And again, we're going to have a team that's going to be sitting up front wearing purple shirts that I know would love to talk with you about the precious gospel message. And so would you guys take a look up here at the screen? Jesus' very last act on earth is also one of his most puzzling. He ascends into heaven to be seated at the right hand of the Father. On the surface, the ascension appears to show Christ leaving our world. But if we see the ascension resulting in less of Jesus' presence instead of more, then we are missing out on a powerful truth about the ascended Jesus. When Jesus encounters Mary Magdalene after his resurrection, she throws her arms around him. She had lost him once, and she would never lose him again. But Jesus says to her, Don't hold on to me, Mary, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. One could assume that Jesus is saying this because his resurrected body is sacred, but later Jesus invites Thomas to touch his wounds, so that can't be the case. Jesus knew the fear that Mary felt, thinking she had lost him forever. So through his reply, Jesus is saying, If you let go, if you let me ascend, you'll have access to an even stronger relationship with me. Mary, the way I am right now, there's a chance you could lose me. But if I ascend to the Father, you will have me forever and nothing will ever be able to take me away from you. His presence would come through the Holy Spirit, who is not merely a force, but a person who would come in his place. Jesus said, unless I go away, the advocate will not come. But if I go, I will send him to you. And one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to reveal Christ to us. This is why Jesus said that through the Holy Spirit, he would finally show himself to his disciples. The implication is that the disciples did not and could not truly know Jesus until he went away bodily and returned through the Holy Spirit, which is encouraging for us to see because you might be under the impression that if only you could have lived and walked with Jesus, that you would know him better than you do now. But you'd be wrong. Before Jesus died, the Holy Spirit had not been released into the world in this powerful way. And you can only know Jesus fully through the Spirit's influence, as He shows you in the shadow of the cross how high and long and wide and deep His love is for us. In other words, through the Holy Spirit, you can see Christ and know His presence and His love better than the apostles on the night of the Lord's Supper. So the inevitable question is, are you living like this is true? Are you living like Christ is more accessible now than he was when he walked the earth? Jesus has made his intentions clear. He left heaven and all of his glory for your sake. And through his ascension, he has made himself infinitely available to you. Christ has drawn near to you. So draw near to him. Psalm 46 says, God 
is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I'm God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And I pray that in this segment that you would see and savor Jesus as our defender. And we want to sing about our defender. And we're going to sing two songs. And the first song you can remain seated for is, I believe it's a modern day version of the second song. The first song is called Defender. And the second song is called A Mighty Fortress is Our God. And as we sing it, really engage your mind with the lyrics, having confidence that that God through Jesus is our defender. And no matter where we are in life, nothing that happens to us, no circumstances that we go through in this life, haven't passed through the hands of a sovereign God, and that God's good as we're going to see in the next segment, and we can trust him. And so with that, here's Defender.
you guys staying with us? Fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, He amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe. Death seek to work us woe, his craft and power are great, and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his Is 
for just a moment. I don't know about you guys, but just with, with the busyness of life and responsibilities and, and, and the, the stresses and the circumstances sometimes that we find ourselves in that, that we can't control, um, it's, it's easy, it can be easy to doubt the goodness of God. And, I, and sometimes I think that that's our default. We've, we've been reconciled to God through Jesus and, and we're Christians but we, we almost begin to live our life as atheists, you know, d- doubting the goodness of God and, and, and questioning the Lord. And it's easy to, to not have an eternal perspective on our circumstances. And, and before too long, we, we have this dry spiritual life and, and we begin to become bitter and, and, and um, just not very um, pleasant people. And... Uh, that's a part of being in the now and not yet part of the kingdom is, is we have to be reminded of the goodness of God. And the best way to be reminded of the goodness of God is to look toward the gospel. If you have your Bibles or you can just engage with us on the screen, you can look at Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. This is just a passage of scripture I go to uh, frequently to be reminded of God's goodness. The Apostle Paul, he says this, He says, for while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... And that's key there. We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more, now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom we have now received reconciliation. What the Apostle Paul is reminding us here is, is that our position, apart from God doing an intervening work in our lives, is, is we're enemies of God. That's the language that the scriptures use to describe our position apart from Christ. We're enemies of God. We're at war with God, and we're content with being enemies of God if left to our own devices. We hate God, and we cherish sin, and we're running 100 miles an hour in this direction. And God has every right because he's holy and he's just to allow us to keep running in the opposite direction, enemies of God. But he doesn't look down on us with cold indifference, but he, look, he looks down on us. He wraps himself in flesh. We're celebrating Christmas in just a couple of months. Wraps himself in flesh. Second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ. And he lives a perfect life. 
and he dies on the cross. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he rises again from the grave. And, and God's ultimate goodness is displayed in that. Right? We have the first Adam, the first man who sinned, and Adam in the book of Genesis was our, our representative. Right, We have senators for the state of Virginia, and they go and they vote on behalf of the people for better or for worse, and Adam's very similar. In Adam, we all sin, and because of that, we commit sins on a daily basis. Romans chapter 5 teaches that Jesus is the second Adam redeeming the actions of the first Adam. And so just as the sins of the first Adam were cast on to us, and so comes death and the struggles and the doubting the goodness of God, which is as old as the beginning of time here on this earth, right? So Jesus' actions for those who repent of their sin and trust him, turn away from their sin and trust Jesus, his actions are credited to us. So it's as if we committed the righteous actions of Jesus Christ. Isn't that incredible? So one day when we stand before God, he doesn't see Joey, he doesn't see any of us with our, our sin and our mess and our brokenness, but he looks at us and he sees the, the person and work of his son, our advocate, Jesus Christ. And so when we find ourselves in this life doubting the goodness of God, we can look to the gospel and we can say, man, God demonstrated his ultimate goodness for me that while I was an enemy of God through Jesus, he made me an ally. And that's something worth being excited about, worth singing about. And so in response to that, we're going to sing a few songs celebrating the goodness of God and singing specifically about the gospel of Jesus Christ. So would you guys stand with us? And if we're excited, then surely we can clap for four consecutive minutes, right? Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Yes, I'm great. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endureth forever. People from every nation. People from every nation and tongue, from generation to generation, we worship you. Endure it forever. 
Yeah. 
promising the specifics of why it is that he's good. was lost in darkest night yet thought I knew the way the sin that promised joy in life had led me to the grave I had no hope that you would own a rebel to your will and if you had Love me first, I would refuse you But as I ran my hellbound race, indifferent to the course, you looked upon my helpless state and led me to the cross. And I beheld God's love displayed You suffered in my place You bore the wrath reserved for me Now all I know is grace Hallelujah All I have is Christ Hallelujah come from me. That's the Holy Spirit. Oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. Oh, Father, oh, Father, use my ransom life in any way you choose. And let, and let my soul forever be my only bones. Ale 
The Apostle Paul says, I count all things as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord.
you for the fact that you died on that cross that you lived that perfect life for us and then you gave us that perfection and you took our sin we thank you for the fact that you rose from the dead and proved that your death was sufficient you took the wrath that we deserved we thank you for your goodness and your grace and your love and your mercy evident on that cross We lift you up, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can have a seat. So the third segment this morning that we want to focus on and confess is our utter dependence on God for everything that we need. And I want to read a passage for you from Psalm chapter 73. And when I'm going to get to a certain part toward the end of 73 that's going to be displayed on the screen, and I want us to read it together, and I'll make you aware of when that moment comes. But, but uh, this is a Psalm of Asaph, and, and he uh, is in this place in life where he, he sees the, uh, the, the wicked prospering and the righteous not prospering. And, and it causes him to, to um, question God's goodness for a moment. And then toward the end of this passage, he ends up making a, uh, this, this confession very similar to the Apostle Peter after Christ in front of all the multitude says, he, he, he says, um, 
uh, to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and, and the disciples and the people following, uh, following him found that to be too hard of a saying, and so a, a lot of people left him, and he turns to the Apostle Peter and says, are you guys going to go as well? And, and the Apostle Peter makes uh, this statement that I love to the effect of, like, where, where else are we going to go, Lord? Like, where else is there? It's, it's only you that have the words that hold the key to eternal life. And we're going to see that very similar in Psalm 73. This is what uh, the Psalm of Asaph says. It says, truly God is good to Israel, to those who are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped, for I was envious of the arrogant when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For they have no pangs until death. Their bodies are fat and sleek. They are not in trouble as others are. They're not stricken like the rest of mankind. Therefore, pride is their necklace. Violence covers them as a garment. Their eyes swell out through fatness. Their hearts overflow with follies. They scoff and speak with malice. Loftily, they threaten oppression. They set their mouths against the heavens, and their tongue struts through the earth. Therefore, his people turn back to them and find no fault in them. And they say, how can God know? Is there knowledge in the most high? Behold, these are the wicked, always at ease. They increase in riches. All in vain have I kept my heart clean and washed my hands in innocence. For all the day long, I've been stricken and rebuked every morning. If I had said, I will speak thus, I would have betrayed the generation of your children. But when I thought how to understand this, it seemed to me a wearisome task until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I discerned their end. Truly, you set them in slippery places. You make them fall to ruin, how they are destroyed in a moment, swept away utterly by terrors, like a dream when one awakes. O Lord, you rouse yourself. You despise them as phantoms. When my soul was embittered, when I was pricked in heart, I was brutish and ignorant. I was like a beast toward you. And here comes this confession of dependence, and it's up on the screen, and I want us to all recite it together. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand, you guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For behold, those who are far from you shall perish, You put an end to everyone who was unfaithful to you. But for me, it is good to be near God. I have made the Lord God my refuge that I may tell of all your works. And so we pray that as the service continues to go, that you'll draw near um, to God, your refuge. There's no other place. There's no other person by which man can be saved except through Jesus Christ. And so... We want to move into now uh, taking the Lord's Supper. And, and I pray that as if you're a Christian in this room, that you'd be edified as you remember uh, the crucifixion that our Lord went through so that we could be reconciled to God. And if you're not a believer in this room, um, we want to just encourage you to stay seated or even find one of um, uh, the members of our prayer team. They're sitting on the front row to talk more about the gospel and to talk more about what God's doing in your life. 
but be encouraged, set your mind on the gospel, and enjoy the Lord's Supper. We're going to play two songs. We're going to play Before the Throne of God Above as we picture Jesus, our advocate, at the right hand of God, pleading our case before a holy God as we're under the person and work of Jesus. And then we're going we're gonna to declare our dependence on God through singing, Lord, I need you. And so as soon as uh, Joel starts leading us in before the throne, we invite you to come with your small group, with your family, with whoever, and uh, partake in the Lord's Supper. And so this is before the throne of God above.
So the gospel is incomplete apart from us getting to the resurrection. Amen? We can talk about the life of Christ. We can talk about the death of Christ. But if we don't get to the resurrection of Christ, then we're all wasting our time. At least that's what the Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says this. He says, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead... How can some of you say that there's no resurrection of the dead? But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then also, then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, and his tone shifts here, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, that's the first Adam, By man has come also the resurrection of the dead, the second Adam, Jesus Christ. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. And so God, by the power of the Holy Spirit after the crucifixion, raised Jesus from the dead, which certified Jesus' claims about himself that he is in fact God. And that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is deposited in you and I when we repent of our sin and place our trust in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit, according to Ephesians chapter 1, is the guarantee of of our inheritance until the day that we acquire possession of it. And so because of the resurrection, we can have hope. And because of the resurrection, our faith is a real faith that we can have confidence in. Remember the thing, the passage of scripture I quoted at the beginning of this, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and with all for our God is a consuming fire. The resurrection is the weight behind that passage of scripture. And so let's stand and sing to a resurrected Savior.
So we've talked a lot about what God through Christ has done for us. And this leads us to the, the final segment of the morning, which is our response to this. And I wanted to draw our attention to Isaiah chapter 6, because I think it's a, a perfect picture of, of how we should appropriately respond to a holy God who through Christ has rescued us from the penalty of our sin. 
And Isaiah gets this vision of the throne room of God. And the closer that he draws to God, the more he's aware of his sinfulness and his brokenness and the sinfulness of the, the people on earth. And, uh, and he makes that famous confession, Woe is me, for I'm unclean, and I live amongst the people who are unclean. And God in his love and his faithfulness sends the seraphim to him. And he puts coals on his lips, purifying him, pointing us to the day that Jesus Christ purifies us. And immediately after his sin and his guilt taken away by God, God asks the question, who shall I send? Who will go for us? Us being God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity there. And I love Isaiah's response. He says, here am I, send me. And all that entails, and if you read on down in that passage, God commissions him to go and preach this, but they're not going to listen, right? What seems like this depressing, depressing call, but it reminds me of the sovereignty of God and the message that we proclaim. Like God, through the Holy Spirit, is accomplishing his will and his purposes. We faithfully herald the message of the gospel, and we can do that in multiple ways here and now. We need to pour out our lives. Look at Jesus Christ in Philippians 2 as our example, serving people, loving people, pointing them to Christ. So being plugged in in a, in a ministry here at Coastal, being plugged in in a mission, going on mission. And another part of that, and we want to, wanted to strategically place this here in this part of the service, is by funding the kingdom of God. I don't know about you, but so many times I can try to be closed-fisted with my resources as if they're my resources. Right? God's, a, God's given us everything under the sun. Amen? We're called this side of eternity to steward what he's given us. And I can't think of a better way to, to invest my money than in, a, than in a gospel that God promises will be successful. It's not a question of, oh man, we don't know if the gospel is going to go forth or not. God says, and Jesus teaches us to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's will is going to be accomplished. The, God, the great commission will be successful. He does have a plan for this world and a part of the gospel going out is that it takes resources to fund that commission. And so I want you to look at this next part of our services. This is our, our response. Whom shall I go? Uh, who shall I send? Who will go for us? And we're saying, here we are, Lord. This is an act of worship as an overflow of, our, of the gratefulness of what you've done for us in Jesus Christ. And so I'm going to pray over the offertory, and then we're going to celebrate um, Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for the gospel. Thank you for applying it to our lives. Thank you for seeking and saving the lost and then commissioning us to be obedient and fulfilling the great commission, um, God, through both our service and our finances, Lord. And so, God, thank you that we're part of a successful plan and for giving us the opportunity to display our gratefulness with the resources that you've entrusted to us. And so bless this time, and I pray this in the only name that saves Jesus Christ. Amen. Son of man, son of righteousness, King of the earth, for sinners sake. I was lost 
Way 